Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday right here on 710. We're with you for a short time this morning. Maybe not as short as Mike Richards' time as host of Jeopardy, but short nonetheless. Only one hour this morning here on 710 ESPN Seattle up until noon, and then we'll send it over to Mariners pregame as they take on the Houston Astros. He's Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. Taylor, a big day in Seattle sports as we've got pennant race baseball going on with the Mariners as they look to keep pace in that American League wild card race four back with 39 to play we've also got the second preseason game for the Seahawks who knows if some starters may see the field this time around but I mean this time of year everything kind of ramps up and today it's almost like an appetizer for what the month of September and hopefully October will be around here well, first of all, I want to say, what is a sick burn? Because, wow, what an open to the show there, Curtis. And, oh, don't forget Sounders versus Columbus. You get a rematch. Yes. Pardon me, of the uh, championship game there, too. So, yeah, uh, quite a bit of action here uh, sports-wise in the Northwest. And, oh, yeah, we got some college football in, what, two weeks here, Curtis? We're going to be talking dogs Ooh. and cougs. Yeah, hi- hype for that. I mean, college football Saturdays. Last year with what it was in the college season, it just was never the same. It was never what we have always come to anticipate in the fall. And hopefully this year it'll be more of the same. I would imagine there's still going to be some some hiccups along the way. But, uh, I mean, you and I, both alums of Pac-12 schools, College Football Saturday is probably one of the things that we latch on to the most as sports fans and not just us, but also whoever's listening to us with the dogs and the Cougs being as big as they are in this state. You know, there's also Ducks fans, Beavers fans nearby, you know, there's just a ton of college football in this area. And we're just a couple weeks out from that. Uh, We'll talk about some of that coming up here in this segment, but yeah, I mean, this time of year, it's not quite fall yet. I think yesterday was sort of uh, the start of fall weather, but it looks like it's going to still have some summer left next weekend. But this weekend, maybe a little chillier than we're expecting or we're expecting this time of year. But yeah, I am super, super hyped for the weeks that come ahead here but right now i mean the mariners with a prime opportunity to keep pace you've got the astros for two more this weekend and then two against the a's on monday and tuesday we'll get into that mariners conversation coming up in this hour and then like we mentioned the seahawks taking on the denver broncos tonight here on 710 espn seattle in week two of the preseason and we we haven't even touched on maybe the biggest story of the week so let's get into all of that right now here with the big three. Number one. Well, the biggest question, like Curtis just mentioned, was whether or not Jamal Adams would be extended. The answer has been revealed to be yes. The four-year presidential term, as our friend Curtis pointed out, will take place from this year going on into the 2025 season. The deal reportedly will include $38 million in guaranteed money and could make up well, and could make up to $72 million over the four years, which would make him the highest paid safety in the NFL. Adams, again, entered the league in 2017, 
already has quite the resume. First team All-Pro last year, two-time second team All-Pro, and a three-time Pro Bowler. Oh yeah, he also set the NFL record last year for most sacks by a defensive back in a single season with nine and a half. You can see him and the rest of the Seahawks take the field tonight. Heck, you might even be there in person to watch the game as the Seahawks take on... Uh, let's see here. They take on... I'm spacing. The Broncos. Broncos. Sorry, I mixed it up. I thought it was... I thought it was the Chargers. Chargers is next week, and I was wrong about that. So, yeah, exciting. Pre-game at 5, kickoff at 7, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Number 2. Well, you wouldn't know it by the reaction to last night's 12-3 loss, but the Mariners have still pulled off an impressive run as late. They've won 7 of 9 against Toronto and Texas, and even with the team piling up wins as of late, they've been able to get by without much help from the offense, just scoring more than three runs twice over that stretch. The key for the Mariners, it's been starting pitching and then handing it over to that bullpen of theirs. Marco Gonzalez back to his old form. He spun that complete game two-hitter against the Blue Jays last week. Chris Flexen has looked great. Tyler Anderson, he's been just as advertised since coming over from Pittsburgh at the trade deadline. They've all stepped up in a large way here in the month of August. The Mariners, like we said, sit just four games out of the wild card race with 39 to play, and they still have a ton of games remaining left against teams that are directly ahead of them. The A's in the American League wild card race and the Astros in that AL West race. Diego Castillo, some roster moves today. He was placed on the 10-day IL with shoulder inflammation. Robert Duggar recalled from Tacoma that move coming about an hour ago. But the question that we're going to get to later on in the show is, is this Scott Service's best job as manager during his tenure in Seattle? He's had a couple of really good seasons in the past, but this one may stand out above them all. We'll get into that question coming up this morning at 1130. Number three. Well, some cracking news and some uh, sort of unexpected NHL news here as Maddie Beneers announced that he will re- be returning to Michigan alongside Owen Power and Kent Johnson uh, as they look to go back to school at the University of Michigan there in Ann Arbor and uh, try and compete again for another Frozen Four. Quite the, uh, quite the coup for uh, the Michigan Wolverines to get those players back, but not as great for the three teams that drafted those players. So they'll have to wait at least one season in order to get their services on the NHL ice as they go back to school. Um, also, some other signings here for the Kraken. They signed goaltender Antoine Bibo to a one-year two-way contract to help fill out depth at that position. And earlier this week, again, Curtis with some great some great breaking news. Crack journalism here. Watching the old EA NHL 22 trailer, he found out that uh, you saw a little preview of what the Kraken game day presentation might look like, as well as what the sweaters might look like at the pro level. So... Lots to still be determined. We're still a couple weeks away from the sweaters hitting the old uh, sail racks down there at uh, South Lake Union at the Kraken store for all fans to receive. So stay tuned, Kraken fans. A lot of excitement left before this first season. Yeah, I believe September 15th is the release date for Kraken jerseys, so make sure you're getting those orders in because those are going to fly off the shelves in, I would say, 
seconds. I don't think there's going to be uh, many opportunities to purchase jerseys for this team right after, you know, in the first couple weeks after the release day on the 15th. So make sure you're getting those orders in for sure. That is this hour's big three. Some honorable mentions. Uh, this week, Kooks head coach Nick Rolovich said he will follow Governor Inslee's mandate for COVID vaccinations for faculty and staff at all Washington colleges and universities. He was a little vague in his wording of it, so maybe he may look to seek an exemption for that, but still a lot up in the air with the Kooks season and Rolovich, you know, fair or not, being at the very center of that, uh, you know, look, he, he has his right to not be vaccinated. That is for, that is a thing that you can do in this country. But also, he's not exactly helping his team out, especially if there are benefits in the win-loss column because there's a, a lot greater of a chance of forfeiture if your whole team is not vaccinated at some point this season. So... It'll be interesting to see how that continues to play out. He has until October 18th to be fully vaccinated. Taylor, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but Nick Rolovich, uh, I don't know if he's he's planting his feet on this and, and just saying, you know what, I, I hear what the governor has to say, but I'm just going to keep doing me. But as the coog among us, do you think the distraction of this has quieted down at all, or do you think that it is ramped up here over the last couple of days following the governor's announcement? Yeah, I think it's ramped up, and it's uh, – look, again, you mentioned there, Curtis, he has the right to not to. Um, but look, they hired him to be the leader, to stand up there, to, to um, you know – Look, it's a different profession. Most people don't have to stand in front of the press and answer questions like this, but he's getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So to, to not be able to lead in in that sense and, and talk about and stick with his convictions, whatever they may be, uh, has been pretty disappointing, uh, to, to say the least, for uh, as a Coug fan. And it just... You know, I thought we had made it out of sort of this Mike Leach era where the, it seems like the coaches... Or almost holding some of these players back, but here we find ourselves again, where it's a sticky situation out there in the Palouse, and uh, unfortunate one to be talking about 15 days before you know they actually hit the field, and two weeks before there's real game action. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's uh, it's just disappointing. That's the only that's where I'll, I'll leave it there. Yeah, then the, on the field, the Cougs still deciding on their starting quarterback between last year's starter, Jaden Delora, who had himself a, a, a you know pretty whirlwind offseason. He had a DUI charge against him, and then also Tennessee transfer Jarrett Garantano. Uh, those two guys battling it out for the starting quarterback job. Uh, hopefully we'll get that decided over the next couple weeks. Huskies, they've got their fan fest and scrimmage going on right now at Husky Stadium. That's going on as we speak. And then the Eastlake All-Star. Shout out to, I mean, yeah, we do shout outs in the final segment of every Seattle Sports Saturday, but early shout out to the Eastlake All-Stars from Sammamish, making it all the way to Williamsport, Pennsylvania for the Little League World Series. Unfortunately, yesterday they dropped their opener to Texas. They will play again today against Florida in the loser's bracket. Uh, Double elimination, so they still are not eliminated. They just got to win out the rest of the way if they want to have a shot at a Little League World Series title. So shout out to those guys uh, putting it on for the state of Washington. 
everybody listening here in the city of Seattle, and if you're listening all throughout the Northwest, I can guarantee you, uh, you are rooting for these guys. So uh, we give our best to them as they look for a Little League World Series championship. Really cool to see those guys doing what they're doing. But coming up in this hour, like we said, is this Scott Service's best ever managing job? We'll talk that in about 15 minutes. But up next, Jamal Adams is in for the next four years. So what is next for the Seahawks? We talk that right here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturday. Thank you so much for joining us here with you until noon as we hand it over to the Mariners pregame show. Later on tonight here on 710 ESPN Seattle, you're going to hear the Seahawks week two preseason game against the Denver Broncos which I mean, last week's preseason game against the Raiders, there were only there was only so much to take away from it, which is a big reason why the biggest story of the week was something that happened off the field rather than what happened on the field against the Raiders, and that was the extension of Jamal Adams, who is one of the most visible Seahawks, obviously one of the best Seahawks too, and he gets signed for a four-year extension, seventy-two million dollars he can earn up to. 38 million of it guaranteed that was probably priority number one for the Seahawks outside of keeping Russell Wilson happy this offseason is to get Jamal Adams signed because of what you gave up in that trade for him a year ago two first rounders Bradley McDougald I mean that is a that is a hefty price to pay I'm glad the Seahawks were able to get that done because that puts a lot of people at ease here as to what the plans for this team are going to look like in the future. But now that that is done, now that the ink has dried on that contract and the Seahawks no longer have to worry about whether or not Jamal Adams is going to be a Seahawk beyond the 2021 season, what is the next priority? And Taylor, there are a couple of things still left on the docket for the Seahawks here. And and probably the most concerning is the status of Dwayne Brown, your starting left tackle, who has not practiced yet in training camp. He is not put on the helmet. He has not put on the pads once so far. And he's 36 years old. He is nearing the end of his NFL career, but still wants another contract. He wants a contract extension. If you were in charge of these Seahawks, how would you handle the Dwayne Brown situation? Would you maybe meet him in the middle, go with a one-year extension, kind of throw him a bone, or do you give him multiple years in hopes that he is able to stay healthy throughout those and and continue to play at the level that he's been at for his entire Seahawks career? Yeah, look, the, the window of these Seahawks and the Russell Wilson era it's uncertain right at this moment. We know he's here right now. We know he'll be here this season. But <clears throat> if they're truly going for it this year and next year and then in the year beyond, then you have to re-sign Dwayne Brown. Now, look, if you don't, you're sending a message that you'll be contending, but you really won't be hanging with a Tampa Bay, a Kansas City those teams went out and made sure that those those contracts, those players that they needed to keep in town stayed in town. So and if they needed to move them out of town in the in the 
case of the Chiefs, they completely overhauled their entire offensive line to make sure things were right for Patrick Mahomes. Because again, they have him. They have his contract about to ramp up in as far as money. So trying to maximize it. But yeah. Dwayne Brown, he's been doing everything right. He's been holding in, so he's at the facility. If you've been at Seahawks practice, you could you could peek into the the weight room and see him leering out and watching the offensive linemen. So it it feels like look, I know it's easy for us to sit here and say pay them all. But look, if they want to compete, you don't have to pay everyone, but it starts with paying Jamal Adams and then number two, paying Dwayne Brown. What do you think, Curtis? Do you think that they will get this deal done or do you think this is going to bleed over maybe into the regular season? Well, like you said, it is a good thing that Dwayne Brown is at the facility. It is a good thing that he is there in his jersey, not necessarily in his pads or in his helmet or whatever, but at least he's in his jersey and he is present and going through meetings and, and being at the facility because as we know the Seahawks will not negotiate with somebody if they choose to not report we learned that with Earl Thomas we learned that with Cam Chancellor once you report then you can get down to brass tacks then you can hammer out these details that Jamal Adams and his agent were able to get to with the Seahawks front office that bodes well for Dwayne Brown the thing that does not bode well for him is his age 36 years old and there is a very small precedent of left tackles in the nfl playing past that age and right now i believe andrew whitworth is the only one still active in the nfl i I can't remember jason peters is still playing uh he's another guy who is up there in terms of football age who's played you know for buffalo and, and philadelphia for as long as he has when you look at the Seahawks, there is no precedent for them extending somebody of that age under Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Now they always have been hesitant to give a guy a third contract. We saw that with Cam. We saw that with Earl. We've seen that, you know, with Bobby where they were like, "Eh, I don't know. But then they ended up making him the highest paid linebacker in all of football. Dwayne Brown, I believe would be on what is like fourth or fifth contract in the NFL. I mean, this guy has played for nearly two decades in the league. And I mean, he is still one of the very best left tackles in the game. I would probably rank him as a top five left tackle in all of football and his importance to the offensive line is, I don't think it can be overstated. This guy go, the offensive line goes as Dwayne Brown goes. We saw it in week one of the preseason with Stone Forsyth out at left tackle. He looked like a six rounder, which is not a knock on Forsyth, but he just doesn't have the experience to be a starting left tackle in the NFL right now. That was his first professional action of his entire career. Dwayne Brown, to me, I think it is very imperative that the Seahawks find a way to get him satisfied with the amount of money that he's making. Do I want them to go out and give him a three, four year extension pays him through his year 40 season? No, I don't. I don't think that would be a a smart business move for the Seahawks, but I want him here until they can find a legit replacement for him at left tackle, which they do not have, which is why I think they need to absolutely figure out a way to get him paid. And I mean, there's been a lot of talk that the Seahawks just aren't even entertaining the thought of paying Dwayne Brown, which sure you can go that route too, 
but you are going to alienate somebody in Dwayne Brown and also probably alienate Russell Wilson a little bit. Yeah, and heading into next year with the uncertainty with him, I would imagine as an organization you would want to do like everything we've heard in this offseason to help mend that relationship and make sure Russell feels that value, feel he's protected. First, you don't want to see him running for his life on every single play or else, again, this team will not be successful. So, look, I don't think this is going to bleed into the regular season. Dwayne Brown is is truly one of the smartest people I've talked to. I had the chance to interview him and sit down and play video games with him. He is, I mean, one of the best dudes in the NFL. And to let that guy walk out of town would be foolish again it's similar to the jamal adams where you have all of this sort of i don't want to call it sunken cost or any sort of thing like that but you've invested into Dwayne brown to to let him leave and to let this relationship fracture and the ripple effect that will come from that i think will be so detrimental versus a two-year deal that may strap you but but look again seattle has some space, some cap space to, to work with now with the Jamal Adams extension actually helping with some of that. Can you front load maybe some of his contract um, in the next couple of years as far as Dwayne Brown and move some of that money to make it more enticing in the next couple of years and then say, look, if we get you in the, at year two of this extended contract, it'll be cheap for us, but we know we'll, we'll be potentially having the, the end of your career as well. So I I think they'll get a deal done. I don't think he he's foolish enough to give away game checks to make this deal happen. But if a deal's not done before that, I don't imagine him negotiating in the season. Uh, and I imagine him potentially looking to hit that free agency market and go elsewhere. Yeah, I don't know if, if negotiations will happen during the season between these two sides. And I I don't know if I'm necessarily in lockstep with the thought that Brown would, wouldn't be okay giving up game checks because you look at how his tenure in Houston ended. He held out that season into the regular season. I believe the only game he played for Houston during that year was against the Seahawks in that thriller that went down to the final possession of the game. Uh, I think, what was it? Both Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson threw for over 400 yards that day. Just a classic game, and then the like very next day, the Seahawks make the announcement that they traded for Dwayne Brown. Um, so there is precedent of Dwayne Brown holding out during a season. Now the CBA is a lot different now than it was back then. There's a harsher penalty for players who choose to go that route, but you also have to have an incredible belief in yourself if you are going to hold out at any point during the season. And I think Dwayne Brown is somebody that does have an incredible belief in himself. He wouldn't be taking this stance with the Seahawks if he didn't have that. So I look at what he could possibly do here. There is a possibility, I think, of a holdout if he does, in fact, think that the Seahawks are not willing to negotiate with him. He'll just take his ball and go home. I hope it doesn't come down to that. I really hope it doesn't because this team is infinitely better with him than without him. But... Uh, I would really appreciate it if the Seahawks uh, got something done here. Just, and I think, what was it, Jeremy Fowler this week who was on with Jake and Stacy? he said he can kind of, he's guessing that the Seahawks would probably do maybe a one-year extension with him in, in hopes that that is satisfactory. And 
Look, if if Dwayne Brown is not getting a return call from the Seahawks right now, a one-year extension is far better than not even getting, you know, a conversation started with the front office. Yeah, but also, you know, again, it's it's hard it's a hard situation because he he knows better than anyone what his body is is like, where he's at and how much he has left in the tank and if he has a couple of years left and he's been as dominant as he has, look, last season it's not like he looked like a mid 30-year-old left tackle. And to be honest with you right now, the best left tackles in the game seem to be on the older side of the spectrum anyways. So I'm completely comfortable again with, like you said, Curtis, the one, two-year extensions, you know, maybe even uh, the the team option on the third. But beyond that, it's getting to some dicey situation. And look, if he earns the contract, you can go back and negotiate another extension. There's nothing stopping you from continuing to extend Dwayne Brown, but... You got to keep him here. You got to keep him happy. And the ripple effect of that, keeping the quarterback, Russell Wilson, happy, which is the number one most important thing, is the reason why you have to make sure this deal gets done. Coming up in this hour, we'll shout out to finish off Seattle Sports Saturday. That's coming your way at 1145. But before that, is this Scott Service's best ever managing job? We'll answer that question next here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Less than a half hour away from Mariners pregame as they take on the Houston Astros in game two of this three-game weekend series. Look, the Mariners, they have been winning at a pretty good rate here over the last week and a half or so. They've won seven of their last nine games, even after last night's loss to the Astros. Look, 7 of 9 in the month of August, you would take that every single time. And look, this Mariners team, for as much as they have overachieved this season, it has been pretty fun to watch them kind of scrape by, kind of play by the seat of their pants every single night and win these close games. And it just it makes you want to check your heart rate after every single game. And Scott Service has been really the guy that has pushed a lot of the correct buttons this season, Taylor. And the job that he has done this season, I've been very impressed with how he has managed this ball club. Managed not just the on-field product, but able to keep this team afloat because of all that they have gone through. I mean, coming off the 2020 season, there were so many expectations placed on Kyle Lewis. Like, oh, reigning rookie of the year. Like, this guy is about to blossom into a super-duper star, and we really didn't get to see him this season. We saw him for, what, about a month, and that was it. And look, like as much as this team has played well this season, imagine a healthy Kyle Lewis in this lineup every single night. I mean, that would have given them such a lift. Imagine if Jared Kelnick had gotten off to a much better start than he did. This team would be in, in a much different position, and through all of that, and also the question marks with the rotation all throughout the season, the up-and-down plays of Marco Gonzalez and other guys in that rotation, Justice Sheffield, would you put this at the very top of managerial jobs that Scott Service has done during his time here in Seattle? 
100% yes, Curtis. And and you mentioned all the on-field stuff. Let's think about how the season started with the Kevin Mather comments, right? And, and to unify his team at the start of the year in spite of what had been said was quite a task. Let's think about the trade deadline and, and what what the emotions were like, not only from the fans, but in the clubhouse and literally the emotions that were pouring out of some of these players after that trade and, and sending Kendall Graveman to the Astros. And, and you felt this sort of change in the entire city of, of their feeling toward the team. And, and yet, here we are couple weeks left in August, we're scoreboard watching. The Mariners are a handful of games out of a, of a playoff spot. And again, you mentioned all those things right there. No Kyle Lewis, in spite of the Kelnick struggles early, in spite of some of the other struggles at the plate and the, the other struggles that you had with some of your arms as well. So I think if you look at this in any way, Objectively, subjectively, you can't look and say that this has not been anything short of a managerial of the year type award level of 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 managing. Yeah, and I, I think if the Mariners are able to find their way into that second wild card spot and play for a wild card berth into the playoffs, I would be hard pressed to vote against Scott Service as American League Manager of the Year. Now, with that being said, if the Mariners do find themselves in the wild card round and Scott Service does win manager of the year, how utterly ridiculous would it be for the Mariners to let him go after this season? Because, look, he does not have a contract for 2022. Neither does Jerry DePoto. And... I feel like those guys are in lockstep in terms of if you extend one, you probably have to extend the other. I don't think we're going to see a case of one guy getting extended and the other maybe not coming back. I think it's either both or none. How absurd would it be to see Scott Service go after this season after the kind of year that he had as manager of this ball club? Yeah, look, I I don't think I I think the only scenario if the only scenario where he leaves is if they fall short of these expectations and the Mariners just let them walk. But they're playing a risky game here, Curtis, because you're right. If if he ends up winning, you know, manager of the AL manager of the year and he's not signed long term, it's going to cost the Mariners a little bit more to bring him back than it would maybe. August 21st, 2021, or maybe even July, 2021. Uh, I think it was uh, fat Joe after the old locks versus dip set <laughs> battle that said the price is changing. The price went up. The price will go up. If, if that's what happens to Scott service, if, if he goes out there and Jada kisses them, Oh man, oh. this is going to be a crazy situation <laughs> and we're going to be paying through the nose. So I would like to see a deal get done now. You know, you you hear rumors that they're not doing it because it's the distraction. I don't necessarily buy that. I I think if you want to kind of give your team that last little push and you're John Stanton, show them that what you're doing right now is what you want to see and reward two of the guys in the front of the line who have been there helping shift the culture of this team. You got to reward them. 
That's why you come to Seattle Sports Saturday for those kinds yeah. of references for Fat Joe and Jada Kiss and Dipset and you're not going to get those anywhere else, folks. Throughout the, the entire price week, today is not the price that was yesterday. The price today is not <laughs> the price that was yesterday. That's the line uh, from Fat Joe. So, I I do wonder though why there haven't been the kind of reassurances from the Mariners front office to this point of the season from, you know, John Stanton or, you know, anybody else at the very top of the organization for Jerry DePoto and Scott service. And maybe there is some other things going on. I know the search for a new president of business operations was a major focus of the front office for the majority of the season. They have that settled now. Katie Griggs assumes that role. I believe she's, she's already started it. Um, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Maybe that was a big hang up as to figuring out what to do with Scott service and Jerry DePoto. Like you said, though, let's say this team does make the playoffs miraculously. Uh, you know, you look at the odds for them right now. It's not great. It's, you know, in the single digit percentage, but let's say they do, and, and I know we're going to get some texts on the text line and said, oh, how, how how could this team make the playoffs? You've seen what they've done this season. You saw what they did last night, losing 12-3. to Look, crazier things have happened in baseball, okay? The, it is not absurd to think that the 2021 Mariners can find their way into the playoffs. If they do, like you said, Taylor, that price tag for both of those guys goes up. I wouldn't say astronomically, but it's going to be – much it's going to be tougher for the Mariners financially, I guess, to meet the demands of Scott service and and Jerry DePoto based off of winning in a year where they weren't really expected to win and probably fast forwarding this rebuild by a full season. Um, I, I look at this team right now and do I think they can compete with the likes of the Yankees and the A's and the Astros and the White Sox and the Red Sox and the Rays in the American League playoff picture? Maybe not. I, I, I mean, they're probably the seventh or eighth best team in the American League based off of just record-wise. I, I still would be, I still might even put the Blue Jays ahead of them in terms of just overall talent. But look, wins are wins, man. You can't take away the wins that the Mariners have stacked up this season. No matter how ugly they have been, you know, look, we we mentioned seven of their last nine wins. Only two of those have had more than three runs scored in them. So, yeah, it's just, it still boggles the mind that these two guys, DePoto and Service, have not gotten really any kind of word as to whether or not they're going to be back next year. Yeah, and if there's, again, a, a stat or, or a number you want to look back to that sort of shows you really the culture of this team, it's the one-run games. Mariners, 26-14, and 14, that's a 650 win percentage, and games decided by one run this season following their win on Thursday, right? So the only season the Mariners have ever achieved a one-run game winning percentage like this i'll give you one guess curtis of when the last time they did that was was it like 2018 or something was it one of those years no i'll get tell you what 2001 the last time they made the playoffs so (laughs) look that they were 26 and 12 that year so 
they've already tied the number of one-run wins from their magical 2001 season. So this is it. They have the fight. Do they have the players right now? Probably not. But in a one-run game, they don't quit. They don't fight, and they the manager and the and the GM who put the players there on the field, they are all bought in on the idea that this team is good enough. And sooner or later, the Mariners fans will have to realize that too. Coming up next, your texts into the Mac and Jacks text line, your shout-outs, our shout-outs as we wrap up this quick edition of Seattle Sports Saturday before we send you on your way to Mariners pregame. That's all coming up here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Quick edition of Seattle Sports Saturday this morning with you for just a few more minutes here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And normally we save this segment for 1245, but since we're only on for an hour today, it's time for shout outs an hour early. It's 1145. Text yours in to 710-710. Who are you shouting out this week? And Let's get started with a couple of shout-outs here from the 206. They say shout-out to Storm star Brianna Stewart for becoming a mother, Olympic gold medal, and dominating the hardwood. Stewie is the very best player. Absolutely. Brianna Stewart and her wife, uh, they announced the birth of their daughter this week. Uh, I believe it was early this week on Instagram. So shout-out to them. And then you look at the year that Brianna Stewart has had. I believe she won the championship in for her European club team, won the WNBA Finals for the Storm, and then also won Olympic gold. I don't know if there is a Seattle athlete that just wins as much as Brianna Stewart has already done so in her career. It is imperative that the storm do whatever it takes to keep her around for as long as possible because if so they could win a ridiculous amount of championships with her but yeah shout out to brianna stewart for already being a seattle sports icon yeah they uh their daughter ruby congrats congrats on that and don't forget nba 2k 22 ratings came out curtis the highest rated female basketball player brianna stewart so pretty cool to see As she should be, she is the best player in women's basketball right now. She's one of the best basketball players in the world, bar none. I think if you were to ask anyone who is is around the game constantly, they would not argue with that. Um, and yeah, young boys, young women, they should be watching her and her game and the way she plays, and they should be trying to emulate that because at any level, that's how you want to play play the game of basketball so yeah shout out to them and their family and i know she talked about playing for something bigger now as their family got a little bit bigger so really cool uh, to see that and uh, congrats again to the family absolutely congrats to them uh taylor who are you shouting out here on this seattle sports saturday so I'll do a couple here. One serious, or not serious one, but one funny one and one not so funny one. The not so funny one, got to shout out the 12s. Going to be back at the game at Lumen Field today, pregame five, kickoff seven. I'm sure the fans are probably already arriving. If not, they're already there camping out, having a good time. So if you're going to the game, be safe, be kind to the people around you. Everyone is getting used to being back at sporting events, so let's make sure we we can continue to have them. Let's keep the nice things around. So, uh, yeah, again, be be as safe as possible. Enjoy it. Just take in the atmosphere and the noise because, again, we went 
through the whole last year without getting to experience that. So don't take it for granted. Uh, live it up and enjoy it and uh, be as loud as, as possible, man. Come on, bring the bring that noise, as, as Pete Carroll would say. From nub to stub, bring the noise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you've had, what, almost two years to build up for this moment tonight. Yeah, it's a preseason game, so it doesn't mean as much, and you may not even see most of the starters or any of the starters out there. But it's live football, something that this city has just, bled and and died for over the course of its professional sporting existence and i mean gosh if you have had if you have an opportunity to go tonight whether as a season ticket holder or somebody that this is your only opportunity to see the seahawks in person maybe it's your first ever football game tonight uh make sure that you are are there savoring it because as we learned in 2020 it is not guaranteed that uh, attendance in football is is you know something that can be here regardless of the situations going on around the world. Uh, For me, my shout out this week, every now and then we all kind of need a nudge from somebody close to us, whether it be a spouse, a parent, a sibling, what have you. This week, Jamal Adams signed his contract with the Seattle Seahawks, four-year extension, $72 million, 38 of it guaranteed. And as the story goes, as Jamal Adams told it multiple times, whether it be in his press conference following his signing of the contract or when he was on with Wyman and Bob this week, there was a key figure in these negotiations that really moved the ball across the goal line. It wasn't his agent. It wasn't Jamal Adams. It wasn't anybody from the Seahawks front office. No, no. It was Jamal Adams' mom. So shout out to Jamal Adams' mom, being the voice of reason through it all uh, and basically saying to her son, look, you're never going to see this kind of, you know, money come your way maybe ever again in your life. It's time to sign this contract, get this deal done, push it across the goal line, be there for your teammates. And Jamal was like, you know what? You're right. So shout out to Michelle Adams for being the, deciding factor in Jamal Adams signing long-term for the Seattle Seahawks. Shout out to her. Yeah. And big Ray, we're talking about how she used the number one, most powerful mom move of all using your full name. Because if you hear your mom yell your full name, you know, what's about to follow cannot be good. So he got the full name treatment. He signed that deal right away. And I know if I got the full name treatment, probably would have signed the deal as well. So shout out to him. And, uh, yeah, keep texting in your shout-outs. My other sh- silly shout-out is this morning I was just thinking about shout-out the Puyallup Fair, and let's bring it back. Ooh. I don't want the Washington State Fair. I'm coming out hard against the name. Bring back the Puyallup Fair. <laughs> bring back the song. I want to do it at a trot. I want to do it at a gallop. I want to do it real slow so my heart won't palpitate. All right? Let me have that. Bring back the Puyallup Fair. <laughs> None of this Washington State Fair. I know we want it's for the whole state, but it can still be for the whole state and be in Puyallup the way it should be. So, I mean, yeah. we talked about calling things by their actual name. I still don't know anybody that calls it Washington State Fair. If you do, right. you're you're clearly not a day one Washingtonian. I'll tell you that right now. No, doing the Puyallup, it, it, it just feels good coming off the tongue. It feels good on the soul. It's the chicken soup for the Northwest soul. It's the doing the Puyallup. So bring, bring, bring that part of it back. It's random. 
I know it's it's weird. We're a sports show, but you know what? I'm standing <laughs> and I'm dying on this hill. All right, I'm planting like my flag. That. I like that. Those are our shout-outs here today on Seattle Sports Saturday. If you missed any of today's one-hour show, make sure you are downloading the podcast at 710sports.com. Click on On Demand. Every single show, every hour of every single show is right there for you at your fingertips. Plenty of good interviews this week. We had Pete Carroll and Jamal Adams on the station. Uh, Lots and lots of great stuff for you there for you to digest over the next couple of hours. Maybe, you know, hey, we've got a Mariner game. We've got a Seahawks game coming up. Mariners take on the Houston Astros in game two of their three-game series. That comes your way immediately following us. And then do not go anywhere because immediately following the post-game show for the Mariners game, it's the pre-game show for the Seahawks game starting at 5 o'clock. Kickoff is going to be at 7 p.m. So a full day of sports right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to go anywhere. But today, the Mariners taking on the Houston Astros. Logan Gilbert gets the start. He'll take on Jake Odorizzi for the Houston Astros. That is going to do it for us here on this Seattle Sports Saturday. We'll be back with you next week. He is Taylor Jacobs. I'm Curtis Rogers. You have been listening to Seattle Sports Saturday right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.